Well, it warms my heart this morning to see all of you here. Uh, this last week has been a rainy, cold week, hasn't it? And uh, it's good to see the sun uh, starting to shine, and we got a promise of beautiful weather this week, and I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, but it's good to see all of you here this morning. Um, it warms my heart to hear what different ones of you share, because I know life can be, can be hard. And uh, some of you are facing some, some real challenges. And there are others in the community that could be mentioned this morning. I didn't want to take a lot of time during our sharing and give you plenty of opportunity. But we had a young man, Hank Terry. I say young man. Hank is a year older than me. His birthday's in November. I turned 66. He turned 67. But uh, he unexpectedly pulled over to the side of the road and died of a heart attack uh, from our community. So if you think of the Terry family, uh, you can remember them this week. Um, no history of any heart problems. Um, but that just happened, I think, it was either Friday afternoon or I believe. But um, I'm just reminded that uh, life can be hard, and yet we have the blessed privilege of having a Savior who has given us the hope of eternal life, and He enables us through the presence of His Spirit to be more than conquerors in this life. And there's nothing that can happen, can come to you and me this coming week that His grace will not be sufficient for. And so this morning, we can sing as we did um, of hope and of confidence in God. My focus for this year for us, the congregation, is to encourage all of us, as I've mentioned several times, to let this year be the greatest year spiritually for us that we've ever experienced. And I think it can be. No matter if you are a fairly new believer, if some of you younger ones have just making steps of your own personal faith, or some of the oldest ones in our congregation, this can be the greatest year. And I so appreciate the first song Tim led us in. I'm pressing on the upward way. Are we pressing for a higher or have we somehow just kind of gotten to a place where we kind of hit a plateau and it's just real comfortable right here and this is kind of the way I've always done things and this is the way I've always understood things. Is, is that where our comfort level is? Or do we really want this year to move into a higher plane, a closer walk with God? Do we want to get a better glimpse of heaven? Do we want to feel God's power within us in a greater way? Well, we've been talking in messages since the first of the year on some of those things that I think very clearly have to happen if that is to be reality for us. We talked about our attitude toward the Word, being willing to embrace the Word, not just hear it, but embrace it and allow it to speak to us. We talked about allowing God to be in control. To be in charge. And for some of us, that's a little scary. Because while we, we, we like that God is all-powerful, we still want to have the controls on a day-to-day -day basis in our lives. But that just reverberated with what Ray shared this morning from that book. Surrender. Surrendering that grasp for control in my life allows God to becoming more uh, real to us, and we move closer to Him. 
We talked about important prayer life, and one mess I have is when it's, when it's hard to pray. And you will have times this year when it's hard to pray. But God is closer than a brother. And he longs for us to come to him, even when we do not have words to express. We need to come to him in our sorrow, in our grief, in our disappointments, in times when we're, we're waiting for God's justice, in a time when we feel wronged or we feel cheated, we feel shortened. We talked about temptation, how we overcome temptation. That that must have happened not in, in controlling my, my body, but the desires of my heart. Checking the desires of my heart. When I have a desire, is this pleasing to God? Checking it there. That's the key to overcoming temptation. And I so appreciated the message last Sunday that Tim had for us. Truth, freedom, truth can set us free. And when we choose truth, we are delivered from the captivity of sin that can so plague us. Well, I invite you to open your Bible this morning to the book of James, James 1, 21 to 25. And next Sunday, I want to address an area that I think is, can become a real problem for us. I know when I think back over my spiritual pilgrimage, especially as a teenager, wanting to be obedient to Scripture, but not really knowing what does that look like for me. So next Sunday, I want to talk about applying Scripture. Because I'm not sure we always do it well. Sometimes we don't do it at all. But sometimes we do not do it well. And then I'm looking forward to Brother Fred sharing with us on the 19th. And then following that, I want us to look at some Scriptures that call for us to obey. And what does it look like to be obedient? That'll be on down later in the month of March. James 1, 21 to 25. This morning, the title I've chosen is, Let Us Be Doers of God's Word. You know, my heart is, is, is I watched our congregation grow, and I watched tonight, and for those of you that were here Wednesday night, the latter part of our service Wednesday evening was a Bible quiz. And I, I don't think I answered any questions. I just wanted to sit there and listen. <laughs> And I just was, the knowledge that you all have of God's Word, even the children, some of the answers that they came up with, that is wonderful. So much of modern Christendom is so biblically illiterate. And I'm grateful for the way that you are learning. And it comes a variety of things, from Sunday school, from Wednesday evening, from Sunday morning. You're learning in your family devotion. You're learning scripture. You're learning about Bible characters. That is wonderful. But this morning, I want to push that a bit further. Because learning about and achieving knowledge of the Bible really does not change us. And James in this passage, has a warning for us. This warning is not for unbelievers. This warning is for those who are reading God's Word. Notice as I read, James 1, 21 to 25, James writes, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, 
which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. I want us this morning to see the warning. I don't know if you pay attention to warning labels or not, but some of the products today, the warning labels are really quite humorous when you look at them. You think, really? Like, I don't know if you've seen the, you know, the sunscreen you can put in front of your, your um, windshield inside your car. Some of them say on your, remove before driving, you know. Uh, the toilet brush, it says, not for oral use. Um, the baby stroller that says, remove child before folding stroller. Uh, the puzzle, 500 or 1,000 piece puzzle that says, some assembly required. Uh, the chainsaw manual that says, do not attempt to stop blade using hands. Uh, why are warnings like that put out? We think that's so common sense. Well, it's because manufacturers have found that people don't use common sense. James gives a warning in this passage of Scripture. And at first glance, we say, well, that makes sense. And yet I find that so often we do not observe this warning. You know, James' point is clear. That hearing God's word, understanding God's word, knowing God's word, does not change us. Does not change us. So, James says... In writing this, and I might remind you that James is writing this to a predominantly oral culture. When people in that day wanted to hear the word, you, had, you went and found someone who had access to the word and who could read. Because most people could not read. And so that's how you heard the word. And that's why he mentions here, he says, hearers. If James were writing to us today, he probably would add to that, hearers or readers of the word. You know, he would say, do not merely be listeners or readers of the word. Do not merely be students of the word. Do not merely read or listen to podcasts about the word. Do not merely download the word. Do not merely tweet the word. The point James is making is not that he would be against any of those things, but those in and of themselves do not change us. Listening or receiving God's word is not enough. So when we think about this year, and by the way, one month's already gone. I don't know what's happened with you spiritually this last month, what progress, but one month is already gone. But this year, if you and I are to grow spiritually, one of the key elements will be that we don't just hear or read God's word 
or learn God's Word, but that we do God's Word. And so, while James not, is certainly not against listening and learning and reading and hearing God's Word, his point is clear. Listening or receiving God's Word in our life is not enough. It's not enough. In fact, to do so, actually, James warns us, can be dangerous. There's a warning. It can be dangerous because it means we, as he mentions here in verse 22, we, it can actually be deceiving or misleading. It can mean that we would misunderstand. You see, when we receive God's Word into our lives and it doesn't change us, we actually cheat ourselves. Let me suggest this morning that we ponder these statements. The Word of God can warm our heart without moving our soul. The Word of God can inform our mind without transforming our life. The Word of God can educate us about sin without removing it from our life. You see, the Word of God has potential to make a person theologically smart, educated theologically, so that, that you know the right answers, and you can enter into theological discussions, and, and, and you know where references are, and you know where Scripture is, and, and you can quote it, and you know the right answers. All the while, we can be left immature, unmoved, and unchanged by the truth. And that can lead us to a false sense that because we are growing in knowledge of God's Word, that somehow we are growing spiritually. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 8 has this warning. He says, knowledge puffs up. You see, the knowledge of God's Word can make us smarter. It can make us sharper. It can make us quicker to have the right words to say. And yet, it can give us an inflated picture of our theological stature, our spiritual stature, our spiritual maturity. So attending church regularly, reading God's Word regularly, can give us a feeling that because we're doing certain things, that we're growing spiritually. And while that does encourage and provide a platform, that does not necessarily guarantee that we are developing spiritually at all. See, James is saying that we tend to not realize that listening, hearing, reading does not by itself lead to life change. A roadmap can tell us where we want to go, but a roadmap cannot take us there. Right? And the Bible is the most powerful book. It's ever been written. But it is not magical. My life and your life change when we read the map and follow the directions. And I love James' illustration in verse 24. James says, you know, it's like a man looking in a mirror. What is like a man looking in a mirror? Reading God's word. 
listening to God's word is like a man looking into a mirror. When we look into a mirror, we see things not the way we would like them to be, right? It shows us what? Exactly the way things are, right? If there's dirt on your face, it shows there's dirt on your face. If you've got a runny nose, it shows you've got a runny nose. If your hair is all in disarray, it shows your hair is in disarray. And it doesn't matter how many other mirrors you go and look at, it shows you exactly the way you are. God's Word can show us exactly how we are. But merely looking into God's Word and seeing how we are, if we don't apply God's word, if we don't do God's word, James says, we're like the man who looks in the mirror and says, ugh, and he walks away, and all of a sudden he's not looking at that messed up face anymore. And James says, and he forgets the manner of man he is. He forgets that there's dirt on his face. We can do the same thing spiritually. We can read God's Word and be so familiar with it, but as soon as we turn our attention, our minds, and our energy somewhere else, we forget what our spiritual need or condition is. You see, the mirror does not have the power to change your appearance, does it? It can only show you the way things are. The mirror informs the looker or the seeker, and then... The looker or the seeker is the one who has to have the power to change the fault. As I said, it doesn't matter how many mirrors you look into or how many times you look in the mirror, it doesn't change. The person remains unchanged unless he does something with what he has seen. And that's my challenge for us. If this year we are to get to a higher plane like we sang about in our opening song, then 2022... It's not going to happen just because we come to church. It's not going to happen just because you read the Bible through this year. As great as those are, it will only happen as you and I do something about what the Word is calling us to do. Do something about our spiritual condition. Just as the man looks in the mirror, if a person receives God's Word and does nothing, we end up self-deceived. We end up with a, a self-inflated picture of our spirituality. That somehow because I've memorized more scripture this year, or I've read more this year, or I attended more services, or I went to this seminar, or this conference, or that, that somehow that exposure makes me more spiritual. And this, I think, is a potential problem for all of us who regularly receive God's word whether in our personal reading or our corporate, corporate gathering each week. We often come and we can receive the message and we can walk away unchanged. We may even express appreciation for a sermon. We may express appreciation for a Bible study, for a Sunday school class, for a, for a presentation, a book that we read. But if we walk away and our lives are not changed, that information does not automatically bring about transformation. 
You see, God's word must be put into practice. It has to be applied. We have to make deliberate decisions to put it into practice. James says we must be doers of God's word in order for God's word to change our lives. And that is what you and I need to see happen in a greater way this year if this year is going to be a year of spiritual growth for us. Well, the remainder of the message this morning, I want to turn your attention to verse 25. And James concludes his warning here with, with three different directives. And I want to challenge all of us to think about these the next time you open your Bible, the next time you, you do Bible reading or you're in a Bible study. The first of those is we need to study. We need to study. James says, whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty. Who looketh into. You know, studying God's word is different than just reading it. Maybe you've had a goal sometime in your life. Every year, every morning, I want to read uh, one chapter of the Bible. You should make that a practice. And, and so you read one chapter. And that's good. But studying is different than just reading. You know, he gives, the, the idea here is a picture of the man who, who, who sees something and says, oh, and he leans down to get a closer look. You see, studying God's Word is not just a, a, a casual, uh, familiar glance. You know, when you drive in your driveway, you, you take a glance at your house, right? You just glance at it and drive on by, right? Now, if someone's come to your house for the first time, they probably think, wow, look at that house. Is that two-story? One-story? Look, look at the deck. But you're so familiar with it, you don't do that when you drive in your yard, in your driveway, do you? you? You glance. You know the house is still there. Nothing happened to it. That's what can happen with God's Word with us. We can become so familiar with it, it's just a casual, familiar glance. James says we need to study. Notice his description. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty. You see, merely reading a chapter of God's Word, a devotional that comes up on your email, that's a far cry from focusing on God's Word. The writer of the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 4.12, says that the Word of God is powerful. I would suggest this morning that the Word of God has the power to split hairs in our spiritual life and to enable us to radically undo our lives, that's repentance, and redo them. The Word of God has the power to enable us to do that. So the first thing James says is we need to be not just readers, we need to study. We need to study God's Word. You see, it's one thing to casually read. It's another thing to, think, to desire to understand. Well, the second thing I want to suggest is we need to stay or continue with it. Notice James says, and continueth therein. That's the one who, 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 who wants to see what is there for me. You know, it's one thing to study something in the Bible today. It's, it's entirely something else to continue to study so that we can find what does God want this to do in my life. 
Now, often you and I make substitutions. We make substitutions for applying God's Word. And I want to suggest a couple of these this morning. And I, I found these in a, in a book written by Howard Hendricks, Living the Word, maybe you, Living by the Book, rather. I got that book some years ago. But he suggests, there probably are more, but some of these really spoke to me, and hopefully it will to you as well this morning. We tend to make substitutions to doing God's Word. One of those is we tend to substitute interpretation for application. You know, we study a passage of Scripture, or maybe we listen to a message, and it's, you ever had it happen where the light just seems to go on? You say, wow, I get it. I never saw that before. I, I understand that. I, I have a new appreciation for that Scripture. And we're so amazed by this newfound understanding. I never heard someone explain it that way. And we're so overwhelmed and our heart is so warmed by this new understanding that we have that we think we've reached the point of application. And we haven't done anything with it. We got a new understanding of it, but it, we haven't done anything with it. It's easy to make that substitution. Another substitution is to substitute rationalization for repentance. You know, we read a passage of Scripture, and we have a sense that, you know, this really speaks to me. This really speaks to something I've been struggling with in my life. You know, I wonder if my life would be different if I would do this, if I would follow this. But anyway, they, oh, wait a minute, but... But, my, I mean, that's true, probably true for most people. But, you know, my life's a little different. You know, the situation I'm in right now, it's a little different than what this is talking about. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. Now, maybe the time will come when I, I, I probably should try it, but this just doesn't seem to be the right time. We rationalize. We're good at that. And when we do that, we stop far short of the word having an effect with us. A third substitution is we can substitute an emotional experience for a decision of our will. You know, we, we may go to a Bible school, or we may go to a seminar, or go to a conference, and it is so powerfully, we're so powerfully moved by it, by the worship, by the sharing, by the speakers, and, and we, we come back, it was a spiritual mountaintop experience for us. But a week or two later, when we've stepped away from it, if we're really honest, it's just a memory. Yeah, that was great. But when we honestly look at our lives, what changed in our lives since that event? What did we actually change? You see, then we've not done scripture. We've been a listener. But we've not been a doer. We've substituted an emotional experience. The last would be, we substitute superficial obedience for significant life change. You know, we encounter a passage of scripture. We 
get a new understanding perhaps of it. It speaks to us. God's Spirit speaks specifically to us. We recognize our need. We may even decide, you know, I need to change that. I need to repent of that. This I need to start doing or this I need to stop doing. This association I need to break away from. This I need to cultivate. So while we make, we ponder decisions and we decide to do something, we haven't applied it yet because we haven't decided anything definite, you know? We know we should do something, but nothing happens. If we don't stay with the Scriptures and say, God, I don't just want to read the Scriptures. I want to continue. I want to study there until I understand how you want change my life we will always miss that next plane we sang about this morning we will not move beyond let me let me give you an example maybe some of you fathers are or were like I was when I had six young ones at home and there were times just trying to provide for everybody and put bread on the table I struggled with schedule And there were times when I felt like I was a workaholic. And you know, I would sometimes hear messages or read books or go to conference seminars that talked about fathering and parenting and how important it was to spend time with your children. And and I remember hearing for the first time years ago that children spell love with four letters, but it's different letters. To a child, love is not spelled L-O-V-E. Love is spelled T-I-M-E. And so, as I would listen to a message or read a book or be in a conference, I would find myself agreeing with that admonition. You know, that's right. Ben and Tim and Jason and Sarah Beth and Rebecca and Aaron, they need more of my T-I-M-E. Have I applied it? I understand it. Got a new understanding. Felt God's spirit speaking to me. I felt conviction. No, I haven't applied it yet. Now, I've grown in understanding, but I haven't applied it yet. So what if I not only agree with the message, and I'm convicted, and my heart is grieved, and I'm moved, and I say, i got to make a change. I really... You know, last couple weeks, just I, I really have not spent the time I need. I, I really need to make a change. Have I applied it? No, no, not yet I haven't. And what if I say, okay, you know what? <clears throat> this coming Saturday, I'm going to take my family to Stanton River State Park for the afternoon. We're going to spend time together. Really, really think I need to do that. Have I applied the passage? No, not not yet I haven't. Not yet I haven't. So what if I get home from work and at the dinner table that evening I say to my kids and to Gert, I say, you know, um, I got an announcement to make. I got a great idea. You know, I haven't been been with you all as much as I'd like to. And, you know, this Saturday we're going to go to Stanton River State Park in the afternoon, spend the afternoon together. 
And they're all excited, and they cheer, and, you know, Pops, you're the greatest, and Gert says, ah, wonderful, and have I applied it? No. I'm getting there, but I haven't applied it. I haven't applied it yet. You see my point? If you and I are to move to a higher plane spiritually in 2023... We have got to not substitute superficial steps of obedience for obedience. Now, in some cases, we struggle with with knowing. But I think for those who have been raised in the church, our greatest struggle probably is not in knowing the word, but in doing what we know. Doing what we know. And that's what I want us to help look for in some uh, subsequent messages. Well, the last and final word, we need to study God's word, not just merely read it. We need to continue in it. We we need to want to see it change us. The third, last word is is obvious, and that's action. We We need to act upon it. I want to share a few questions in closing that, that others have shared. You probably heard some of these before. But when you are reading a passage of Scripture, ask yourself some of these questions. Is there an example here for me to follow? You know, would my life look different if I followed this biblical example? Another question might be, is there a sin here that I need to confess? Is this scripture, is this passage speaking of something that's in my life? And rather than excuse it and gloss over it, I, I really need to confess it. Is it there? Third question might be, is there a promise that I need to claim? I need to claim this for me. Is there a prayer for me to repeat? Is there a condition for me to meet? Is there, is there a call to obedience in this passage? Is there a verse for me to memorize? Is there a warning, like this morning, when you would read this passage? Would we see this as a warning? Is there a warning here that I need to heed? Or is there a challenge that God wants me to face courageously? James' words in this passage this morning are a caution for you and for me. You see... If we linger in God's word any length of time, it will show us, just like a mirror that you maybe stood in front of this morning, it will show us our spiritual condition. It will. It will show us not what we want to see. It will show us exactly what our condition is. It will show us who we really are and who we really are not. You know, often we tend to look at a person's actions and we say, well, That tells me what type of person he or she is. I will suggest the opposite is true. Who we are informs what we do. Do you understand the difference? Who we really are inside is what determines what we do. Now, you might say, well, I see the acts this way, so that tells me something about his heart. But that doesn't make the heart. The heart determines the actions. I think we need to remember that because we tend to, humanly speaking, we want to monitor our actions to put forth the face that we want people to see. 
rather than taking care of the heart. So at the moment when God's word, we see ourselves like a mirror, we have a choice. We can either reject that and walk away like the man who said, ugh, ugly face, and then just walks away. You don't have to look at it anymore. We can do that. Or we can respond to God's word. We can respond and choose to obey it in our lives. Not tomorrow, not next year, today. And James says, blessed are you when you do that. Blessed are you. Then we will find gladness. Then we will find joy of a new plane, a new plateau. Then we will delight in the life of a disciple. So let me just conclude this morning by asking a few questions. And I'm, I'm welcoming and asking God's Spirit to speak to each of our hearts this morning in these last moments. What do you know that you should do that you have not done spiritually? What are you putting off? What decision are you delaying to make? You've talked about it for a long time, you know, but you just put it off. What association do you know you need to break from? What spiritual discipline do you know about? You understand it, but you just have not applied to your spiritual life. James says to understand, to read, and even to understand God's word, but not to do it means we're deceived. And my cry for us this morning, individually and corporately, is that this year, we would approach God's word in a different way than perhaps we have before. Not merely wanting to study to learn about it and to learn what it says, but really wanting to study it so it changes us. And it's only as God's word changes us that we're going to grow spiritually. Many believers stagnate with a basic understanding of salvation because they do not choose to allow God's word to change us. That's our, my desire for all of us. Let's pray. Father, this morning, how grateful we are for your word. We are blessed beyond many in the history of mankind. We have your word. We even in America have it in our own language. We have generous supply. We have easy access to your word in our own language. We know how to read. You've given us minds that can understand. We have, we have so many opportunities to, to learn. Thank you, Father. Thank you for revealing your self to us. 
Thank you for the power of your word to change us. Thank you for the ministry of your spirit to guide us, to convict us, to show us, to grant us understanding. And now, Father, this morning, we ask that you would create within us a clean heart. Search us, Father. Show us what is lacking. Show us those areas that we need to grow. May the power of your spirit, the power of your word, speak to us and encourage us and empower us to, to say yes to you and to your word. May we find delight in not merely hearing your word, but in obeying your word. This we ask in the name of Christ.